It's episode 74 of the Presentable Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Dean. Today on the program is Harold M. Seimer. He's the co-founder and head of design of Design Agency Overcommitted and joins us to talk about using the iPad as a tool for doing proper professional design work. Harold, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's a delight to be here. Oh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Um, I am curious about overcommitted. What are what are you? What are you guys up to? What are you doing? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, so we have been around for about ten years. Uh, we got started. Uh, my business partner and I, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, my business partner, uh, and I got started uh, in biotech. We were working for a big biotech firm in the East Bay at the time. And uh, the iPhone was released, mm. and we were super interested in this idea of building something for a small, constrained device. We were in web software development at the time. And so uh, once the SDK was released, uh, we built an app. Uh, it was a little app called Ember. It was uh, uh, a client that sat on top of Campfire. So if you remember, Campfire oh, was sure. like Slack before Slack, right? So. We uh, we built Ember. Uh, the guys at Thirty Seven Signals got wind of it, uh, and uh, shortly thereafter, they acquired that from us. And we went on to build a few of their iOS apps, and that sort of led into this opportunity for us to begin consulting for iOS development only at the time. Um, and then, as Android became bigger, we uh, began to do that work as well. So we're just a small group. Um, there's just two of us, and we've been at it for about ten years, and had the privilege to work with some fantastic clients over the years. And uh, yeah, so that's that's us in a nutshell. Oh, that's great. I think I used Ember back. Uh, well, was that probably like eight or nine years ago? Maybe I think. Yeah, 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 and you probably pay, yeah you paid a whopping ten dollars for it even so yeah big do- <laughs> big dollars in the back in the day yeah I bet like pricing an app like that um, is a uh, is a is a bit risky sometimes it feels like you know when people complain over s- things costing a dollar ninety nine and whatnot so that's right that's right we had uh, Jason Freed on the program uh, a few months ago uh, and just talking about the way they did. That that they do their work and think about work and think about inspiration and stuff like that. That must have been. Did you did you move to Chicago and and work with them or how was that? No, we actually uh, we just stayed on as consultants. So I'm here in California. My business partner's in Idaho. So we just uh, continue to work remotely with them. Idaho, that's great. You guys, you guys. So you're entirely just remote with your clients and stuff like that. I would imagine. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes we'll, they'll ask us to come on site. We're happy to do that. Uh, but we have clients all the way, you know, anywhere from Australia to London to uh, to here in California. So we're, we're all over the place. But um, generally, you know, in this day and age, we're able to work uh, remotely uh, and distributed with them, which is fantastic. Mm, yeah, it is. It really affords the sort of lifestyle, I guess. That's cool. That's cool. Well, good for you guys. Um Thanks. Hey, so I wanted to have you on the show to talk a little bit about, I guess, at a high-level design workflow, uh, and then at a more tactical level, using uh, touch devices, primarily the iPad, for actually doing design work. Um, Apple has been uh, you know, kind of under fire for the past few years for not really being focused on what people would call the pro market. Uh, which I still find a kind of a fuzzy definition and things like that. But um, but there's a sense that Apple had gone 100% in on consumer, like, you know, iPhones and stuff like that. And so over the past year or so, they've released like the iMac Pro and the, that, that crazy powerful Mac Pro and 6K monitor and all that kind of stuff. 
Uh, clearly targeting people that are doing like super high-end work, I would guess, right? Like CAD work or 8K video editing or stuff like that. Right. But I just, I wonder, does that trickle down into uh, what is admi- admittedly a super powerful device? I have the uh, the new iPad Pro um, and the, the just the horsepower this thing has is outrageous. And I'm just wondering, like, are, are people who are, you know, doing design work or video editing work today, are they using... Uh, the iPad for any part of their work or all of their work or anything. I don't know. That's just, I'm rambling uh, with a bunch of thoughts around what is pro work and how are we doing it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this is a fascinating topic. And um, the reality is I think that um, it it's going that way. I think we're going to start seeing more and more. So one of the things that I've observed um, is that, you know, these tools that are coming out, tools like Photoshop and now Adobe announcing that they're going to bring Illustrator to iPad as well. I think, you know, they're clearly not targeting a demographic like myself, who's been in the industry for 20 years or you, you, uh, but they're, they're sort of, uh, I think looking to the future, right? So when I get into Photoshop for iPad, I'm, I'm feeling unfamiliar. I'm feeling, you know, nervous about, Hey, how do I move around in these things? And there's, Clearly, uh, much smarter people ahead of me, like Mark Edwards, pulling apart every single detail of the product. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, that muscle memory is hardwired into me at this point in life. And uh, I'm still very much uh, using desktop environments for for my work. But then I observe somebody like my 12-year-old daughter moving around in these tools. Um, and, you know, she feels like if an iPad... Uh, if an iPad's in her hands, she can be creative and uh, she can move around in that high dexterity, right? Where she, when I put a laptop in front of her, what is this thing? This thing's constraining me to some sort of upright position and I have to sit at a desk. It's it's just an unusual concept for her when it comes to being uh, creative. So I think these tools, you know, are, are definitely you know, they are getting there. Um, and we have, we use uh, the iPad in our flow in a couple of spots that I could talk to you in a minute. But I think that they're really targeting uh, these, these these next generation of students and kids that are coming up uh, with touch devices as sort of their mainstay sort of platform that they're working with. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, I think we do use iPad in um, a couple of places in our workflow. Um, and I would say by far and away, it's it's not that I'm designing UI in there, but I'm definitely conceptualizing um, some ideas and um, some some work in that way. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned both uh, kind of the generational um, issue and muscle memory. I uh, uh, because I have I try to kind of push myself to try different workflows and things like that. Um, you know, going through collaborating with somebody on a spreadsheet using Google sheets on my iPad. It's pretty good, you know, preparing for a podcast where I'm like going through, uh, lots of different web pages and resources, collecting them into a set of notes and then have those notes accessible to me and things like that. Also, you know, really good. Like that kind of knowledge work. I think, uh, I find I, I still feel like I'm a little bit doing it left-handed, even well, it's been 10 years with an iPad, at least I still, you know, I can with a keyboard, uh, and a Mac edit text, like deep down inside my reptile brain, you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, how, exactly. I, how I move that cursor around. Like I never touch the trackpad, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I use, I use, a, a kind of a spotlight replacement thing called Arthur. 
that um yep you know that i can just like i've just fl- c- commands just fly out of my fingers i don't even think i switch between apps when i'm on a, a touch device it's just way slower it just feels slower and uh, yeah. i don't know how to speed it up because i've been pr- trying to for 10 years so um right so that's you know i think the, the muscle memory is a big deal i don't see my kids as particularly faster but their brain is certainly wired a hundred percent touch hundred percent like you were saying my kids over the weekend uh they used their ipad to uh research and create a um uh, a keynote presentation that they then gave to us over the airplay on the on the television uh, over the oh, evening. That's very cool. And it had music in it, and it you know, and they did like they did the whole thing. Uh, and these are you know seven and ten year olds who are right uh, aggressively campaigning for us to get a dog, and that, <laughs> that's what they were. The whole presentation was like we had to sit there for ten minutes while they made the case, and <laughs> um, but it was you know it was pure creativity, and and in many ways it was you know setting there. There's no reason with uh, you know more experience in design uh, and better storytelling abilities that that couldn't have been a professional presentation. No reason why it couldn't have. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I wonder if if that's going to be a paradigm for them, or if some point they'll they'll eight, they'll get to the age where, uh, depending on their their interests, they actually want to move to what may still be more powerful tools. Uh, I don't know, right? Like, right. Um, I think Photoshop being released by Adobe. I think that's last week, right, on the iPad. Um, or, yeah, or, or yep, perhaps exactly. two weeks ago. I think that's an interesting first tiny almost a baby step for them towards saying there might be other platforms where you could do the level of work that say a designer sitting at Condé Nast you know might might be doing right like right. we're going we're going to do the new yorker on an ipad this this year or this week right like wow that's a that would be you know and i that i mean for all the production and and i just don't know that we're i i certainly don't think we're there yet but i think that's an acknowledgement that that's where we're heading yeah, I think it's I think there's no question that's that's where we're heading. Um I think one of the things that the Adobe team nailed was the fact that um I can pull up a 15-year-old a PSD and be able to just see it and move around in it, manipulate it, um is is and it's nuts, you know, to be able to support those older files um as well as just a file that I touched last week. So um I think that there's still plenty of room for it to grow. Um, I think they've acknowledged that a couple times in this last week, and you'll still see things throughout the interface that say, not yet support on this device, mm-hmm. but they're there. They're signaling that, you know, these things are coming. Um, and I think that um, the fact that you can go in there and set type, for instance, and and be able to manipulate it uh, right there on a touchscreen device, it's, it's just a it's a tremendous feat. And I think that, uh, it's going to continue to just, uh, increase over time. And uh, no doubt we'll see some production level work coming out. I-, I would guess even in the next year or two. So, yeah, yeah. The, um, when I spent, uh, a few years at Adobe a few years ago now, I think it was almost five years ago now that since I left, uh, and we were, uh, doing a significant amount of work on, uh, developing for iOS and, and, and to some degree Android as well. Uh, and it was always like you take one specific workflow out of Photoshop. Uh, like I want to, I want to touch up my photos a little bit, or I want to do some simple composition. And, um, and it was as if we were sort of partially parceling out 
all the different things that people are doing and trying to do those individual workflows kind of one at a time and putting them either under the Photoshop brand, you know, like Photoshop mix or something like that. Uh, but this was like this, it was a year ago, almost, almost to this day, right? When they had at Adobe Max announced that quote unquote real Photoshop was coming to iOS, uh, with the, That's expect- right. with the expectation of exactly what you were talking about, open your Photoshop files, edit them and send them back. And, um, and there's no like converting or start only start on the iPad and then open up or anything like that. Uh, so, uh, have you had some experience with that? You're, you've been playing around with that. Yeah, I have. Um, I opened up a, an interface that we had done for Campaign Monitor uh, a couple of years back. And, you know, I, I moved some objects around. I changed some colors. I laid out some type and um, was able to modify it and save it back out. And uh, I think, you know, I found, <laughs> I found certain aspects just frustrating because just still unfamiliar with, okay, how exactly do I do this? Yeah. Um, and some of that is just, you know, Photoshop is not the design tool I'm using day to day either uh, for UI work. So uh, part of that's just that re- regathering those thoughts of you know how do how exactly did I, did I do this back then? Yeah. So, um, but I think it's it's uh, it's definitely going to go there. I'm actually probably just as excited about this idea of Illustrator coming uh, to Photoshop because I find that illustration specific i mean to ipad yeah, illustration yeah, yeah. uh specifically feels very natural um in a in an ipad environment i think that's one of the the areas that you know manipulating those bezier curves and all that feels very nice uh with an apple pencil in comparison to just a mouse so um i think there are some places for uh very high level professional design work where you know those those tools exist really uh, really well for iPad. So I think you know illustrators, for instance, I think are are doing quite well with iPad. Um, I think uh, us UI designers, UX designers, still have a ways to go. And I think it's a huge opportunity, honest honestly, for uh, for somebody to come out the gate with a, a tremendous tool. Yeah, yeah, no, I think so. I want to talk about some of those other tools here in a minute, but first we're going to take a little break. Uh, and thank our good friends over at ExpressVPN for their support of the show this week. Uh, uh, as you've probably heard before, I've talked about this on the show a few times. Uh, they've been around with us for a while, but it's just such a reliable way to ensure that your network data is secure without slowing your internet speed at all. Uh, if you've ever used Wi-Fi at a hotel or shopping mall or a cafe or an airport, you know you're sending data over an open network with no encryption. Scary thing is that makes it easy for a high, uh, for a hacker to bypass Wi-Fi security and steal your information. Uh, they can exploit exploit sorry ex- <laughs> they can exploit flaws such as crack, which is the key reinstallation attack, which I don't know anything about, but sounds terrible. Uh, the best way to ensure your data is encrypted and can't be read by hackers is by using uh, ExpressVPN. It's so easy. You download the app. Uh, put it on your computer, your smartphone, uh, or your iPad, and uh, and just use the internet as you normally would. Just click one button, uh, and the app will secure all of your network data. It's the fastest and most reliable, uh, and they they're recommended as the number one VPN uh, recently by TechRadar and CNET. So uh, you can take your privacy and security to the next level. Uh, oh, and this is interesting too. They've just invented this technology called Trusted Server, where um, all of their VPN servers. Uh, run entirely in RAM. 
That means everything is in memory and no data logs are written to a server's hard drive, even by accident. That means absolutely no trace of any of your browsing stuff, not even by them. So, uh, look, uh, when, when, when they say it's the fastest, I, I gotta, um, I gotta concur. Uh, I realized, uh, the last episode of the podcast that I did that I recorded the whole podcast. Uh, both ends of the conversation while I was connected to ExpressVPN because I had forgotten to disconnect it. Uh, and there was, I, I never noticed it was perfect. So, um, so not only that, but then it totally gives us peace of mind. So if you want the best in online security and privacy protection, head over to ExpressVPN. Uh, dot com slash presentable. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash presentable. Three extra months for free if you sign up for a one-year package. Uh, protect your internet today. So thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of Presentable and all of Relay FM. Uh, all right. So we were talking about uh, the workflow and what uh, what Adobe has done with Photoshop. A couple of things I wanted to ask you about as I was listening to how you were working. One is that you said you don't use Photoshop that much uh, in your day-to-day workflow today. What tools are you using? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I have uh, I've been pulled over to the Figma uh, side of things. Uh, so you know we uh, I think every three to five years, right? We we have a new tool set that we're using. So uh, in the last year, it's been uh, Figma and prior to that Sketch and prior to that Photoshop. Uh, so yeah, it's, you know, I think it's it's a, it's a an interesting landscape to be, uh, be designing in all these different tools. And of course, I'm still opening up all these files because, you know, a client that worked with us five years ago may approach us and want a new feature to be added to their project. And so, you know, you have to pull out that old uh, Photoshop file or sketch file and, and open it up. So it's not that one tool is the, is the leader here. I think there's room for, for many. Yeah, no, I totally think so. Um, you know, it's really interesting. The, the conversation we're having now about can you do design work on a, on a touch device is very similar to a conversation about 10 years ago uh, that we would have about, do you really think you could use a web-based app to do proper design work? Right? Like, absolutely. And, and so here we are with like Figma is everywhere. It's doing super, super well. Um, they're growing like crazy uh, and it's being used for all the high end work, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was the same way. I was, I was skeptical uh, you know, really is this, this web-based tool and we build native apps. So we're, we're kind of picky about this sort of thing. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's tremendous what those guys have done and, uh, they keep iterating so quickly. It's just, it's, it's staggering. Yeah, no, it's, it's been very impressive. Um, and, uh, I, the one thing I haven't followed with them is, uh, do they have a story about the iPad or, or other mobile devices or things like that? Yeah, I haven't heard. I'm anxiously awaiting the same the same thing. I do think that um, I'm not sure. Have you had a chance to play with uh, Sidecar at all? No, I haven't. But um, but that seems like the thing. Uh, if it works, yeah, right. Like that's yeah. my first thought was like that sounds amazing. It can't possibly work. <laughs> right. Exactly. I had the same thought. Um, yeah, I think so. You know, with with a tool like Figma, that's that's the first thing I did was plugged in the iPad. Said okay, let's give this thing a shot. Once once Catalina was installed, we should probably describe exactly what what Sidecar is. It is uh, with the latest version of the, the the iPad operating system. You can use your iPad as a second monitor, right? To your that's Mac. exactly right. Yep, that's exactly right. And there's, you know, you plug it in. You can either plug it in with USB or you can do it wirelessly. 
Um, but it's actually fairly responsive. I was I was shocked how well it worked. Um, and there is definitely um, some some work on the developer side. So you know the Figma team or a Sketch team, um, they have to, from my understanding, they have to put in some some support in order to take advantage of some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's fairly responsive, and um, you know again. It, moving around uh in in a touch based environment even with a tool like figma or sketch is not optimal for my brain um yet uh but it's something that uh that I think works quite well and I was I was, I was very shocked at how uh little latency there was um that was it was a fascinating exercise and um so I think there is you know, there's room for that. Um, and there's uh, clearly, I think, having tools that are, are specifically designed for touch. Uh, I think, again, going back to the Photoshop team, I think they they know uh, clearly from the, the interface that they, they worked on um, and they have been working on for years with some of these uh, touch-based apps. Uh, the interface clearly uh, is touch-based and feels very natural in that way. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, porting over or bringing over a, you know, a second screen of your uh, desktop environment feels a little, little strange on iPad, but, um, but it is, uh, it is nice that, uh, nice that you can work with it. Well, I think that's really interesting in that some tasks are better on one device and some are better on the other, right? I could very easily see moving that window over to the iPad so that I could, you know, do some fine drawing, you know, little bits of the project and then back over for all the layer management and, you know, who knows what else and all my shortcut keys and all of that stuff. So, uh, if, if it becomes a kind of a fluid way of, of working, I could see that being really, really very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we just this last week started, um, putting, you know, if we are building something in Xcode, um, we would actually hook up sidecar and and put the uh, simulator over on that side. So we just toss it over onto the iPad and just, you know, you get the sense of like, okay, well, this is what this, you know, iPad app is going to feel like on this device, but you're actually running it through simulator on the iPad, but you're getting these real-time uh, feedbacks, which are, are super nice. Wow. So you're, you can really kind of get into the, the nitty gritty of all the touch interactions and stuff like that because you can you can actually do them instead of trying to fake them with your mouse that's right yep oh hadn't thought of that that's very that's very clever you were uh you were talking a little bit about the uh other changes like the the pencil support and things like that that have kind of come out uh uh increasingly over the years with the ipad uh do you find yourself sketching much on the ipad yeah i would say that that's probably the number one way that i use ipad so i think you know at overcommitted we we use it for knowledge capture as well like you indicated earlier where i find that walking into a room with a client with an ipad um and and jotting down notes with my pencil um or thumbnail sketches is is much more you know that that barrier of having the big laptops in between us isn't there and you can actually interact with the person a little it's a little bit uh, less intrusive and i find that to be super nice and so we we capture all of our information that way with ipad it's very rare that i bring laptop into a meeting these days um but i think the biggest role that it plays is um is in the sketching itself so you know i'm not sure about you but i have you know it seems like you know, 20 years worth of sketchbooks sitting here in my office yeah. <laughs> of different websites and different UI sketches and all of these things that over the year I've gathered up. And 
Um, having all those artifacts is fantastic and super nostalgic when I open them up. Um, but, you know, I think with iPad, having these sketches be something that's easily transferable to either other team members or to the client has been a, f- a fantastic thing for us. So we uh, we use a tool called uh, uh, Linea by uh, the Icon Factory. Fantastic little uh, sketch app. Um, highly recommend it. has just the right balance of, you know, features to simplicity. Um, and I think one of the advantages of iPad sketching uh, versus, you know, being at your desk and trying to conceptualize something. There's just something about, you know, walking into walking out to a park or jumping into a hammock or whatever it might be and being able to uh, free your mind away from all those distractions in order to try to solve those UX and UI problems. Um, and I find that hugely freeing. So, yeah. So, yeah, tell me a little bit about uh, Linnaeus and um, maybe some of the other ones like Procreate and things like that. Uh, what do they get right that we haven't seen so far? Yeah, I mean, I think um, so for, for, for my purposes, I find Linnea to be just perfect when it comes to, you know, thumbnail sketching and sketching out, you know, not super fine details, but more granular. For sure, there's some people doing amazing work with it. Um, but I think they they have an interface that sort of gets out of the way. Uh-huh. Um, and they also have really nice uh, templates when it comes to sort of things like app design or web design. You know, they have these frames in place that you can sketch within, which is, is super helpful. Um, and then, you know, a tool like Procreate, I think, is, you know, it's an illustrator's dream. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, those are, it's a fantastic tool for for all the painting and um, for all the illustration work that's out there. Um, I think both of these tools and other tools like them have a distinct advantage over, you know, something like Photoshop because they're not stuck with this sort of, um, you know, legacy expectations, right? When I open up Photoshop, there's a series of 20, 30 things I expect I can do uh, within yeah. it. And they have to figure out how to port that over to this touch-based environment. Whereas I think, these other tool makers that are starting from scratch have a distinct advantage of being able to, you know, create something that is completely native and and rethink the paradigms uh, from the ground up. And I think that that's why they've been highly successful. I think, you know, I remember last year when the uh, Photoshop announcement came out and people right away are like, oh, well, okay, here goes, you know, whatever, Affinity Designer, or here goes Procreate, and they're, they're going to go by the wayside now. And I think those tools have a place in, and are probably a distinct, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they, they have uh, a leg up on, on Photoshop in the sense that they, they don't have that sort of, you know, legacy that they have to live up to. And uh, I think they're doing a fantastic job um, when it comes to this sort of, this sort of work. Interesting. You know, it reminds me of a conversation from many, many years ago. I think this was even uh, back in my adaptive path days when uh, the, my partners and I would, were laughing about like, what is the tool? What is the app you, you turn to when you quickly want to work something out? You have a new idea. Mm. You have something, right? And like, you know, my partner, Brian, was uh, the guy who ran the business. And he's like, of course, you just open Excel and you just get the numbers in there. <laughs> hey. yep. um, and uh, and somebody else would be like, no, 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 I sketch. You know, I got to get a drawing together and, and things like that. And I was uh, a text editor. I am always like, I start with writing as fast as I can to get the idea down somewhere. 
And that text editor has changed over time, but it's never Microsoft Word. It's never, you know, mm. some big app. Right now, I use and absolutely adore Bear, which is the simplest possible text editor. Oh, yeah. Fantastic app. And I have internalized Markdown so much now that I can, like, you know, bulleted lists and everything I need. I just It just flows out of me as ideas are coming. Uh, and then it's synced everywhere, and I use it as much on my phone as I do on my on my Mac. Uh, that's, I think, a really good example of somebody starting from scratch saying, oh, hey, you know what? Like, we have to start from the very beginning as your document lives in the cloud and your idea, like, you can add to it from wherever you are at any point, And we're going to 100% get out of the way and let somebody else entirely worry about making a presentable document. And um, and some of these drawing tools or design tools on the on the iPad feel very much uh, like they've taken uh, a step in that direction as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, you know what? The other thing I really want to talk about, and actually we'll do that in a minute. I want to talk about fonts <laughs> because there was such a big announcement that I'm so proud of. Uh, but let's talk about fonts so in just a, just a minute uh, because we have one more uh, sponsor to thank. Oh, and you know what? We're going to talk a little bit about shopping because it's almost the holiday s- uh, season. Uh, and I have been already starting to plan a little bit of my holiday shopping. Uh, Harold, are you familiar with Hatchimals? You ever heard of these? No, I'm not. Do you have oh. ki- do you have kids? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, we do. Right. Yeah. Well, if you don't, you will. Uh, it was last Christmas as well. This Christmas, too, is all my daughter wants are these little animals that come in an egg. And uh, and you do something. I don't even remember what you do. You, like, uh, shake the egg or something, and it comes alive and, like, cracks open and hatches. Uh, and she's got a bunch of these, and she absolutely loves them. Sometimes they're a little hard to find, especially the kind she wants. And... Uh, and I have been searching all over all line, uh, online wherever I can. Uh, and I'll tell you what, there's nothing worse. Here, I'm tying it into the sponsor now. Nothing worse when you're doing the shopping and the shopping cart fails and gives you an error. Uh, and suddenly the website is totally unavailable. Your, your purchase is gone. That's why, haha, that's why we need Pingdom, which will let you, uh, know the moment your website goes down in whatever way is best for you. And if you run an e-commerce site, this the next six weeks are just insane for this, right? You can't have any problem at all go unnoticed. Uh, so you can use uh, specifically transaction monitoring to get alerted when cart checkout or forms or login pages fail, and you can you can be alerted before that affects any of your customers or your business. Uh, you can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the severity of the outage. Uh, you can have all sorts of rules for how that happens or as simple as like something's down, let everyone know. So go to pingdom.com slash relay FM right now for a 14 day free trial, no credit card required. And when you do sign up, use the code presentable and you'll get 30% off your entire invoice, which is amazing. So our thanks to pingdom, for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, so uh, what we're oh we were talking about fonts, yeah, 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 yeah. This is this is a big deal. Like, uh, so Adobe announced that Typekit, and I still I still call it Typekit, uh, even though it is technically now called Adobe Fonts. You saw that happen too. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. I had a little tear for uh, rolling down my face for that one. So I was a little bit uh, well, a couple of emotions. First, I was surprised it took them that long. Uh, to retire that brand and switch over to Adobe Fonts. But secondly, I felt kind of uh, like it was complete validation. Uh, it was very interesting. When we mm. when, uh, when Adobe acquired Typekit, we went over there and um, and we, within a few months, had merged with the Adobe Fonts team. Uh, and to me, that was 
I was just in awe and I couldn't believe it. Uh, they, uh, since I was the founder of Typekit, I became sort of like the reporting structure was that all of Adobe fonts was underneath me. And there were people there that had been making fonts and working at Adobe for 30 years, you know, like the designer of Myriad and stuff. Like, you should not be reporting to me. I'm in awe <laughs> of your work, right. you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and we did so much work to integrate those teams together and it worked so well. Uh, that the idea of all of this legacy of Adobe fonts now, like Typekit becoming that just made me super, super happy. So now not only are all of the independent type foundries that we worked with, uh, part of Typekit, all of the Adobe fonts that, that go back all those years are part of all of it. And then we did this big push to get them integrated into the desktop versions of the apps like Photoshop and Illustrator and whatnot, so that you could have a font menu that had 17,000 things on it, you know, essentially. Right. Yep. And that was tremendously successful. One of the highest usage of any of the uh, uh, online Adobe products at all. Um, us and Behance, I think, were just the, the... Oh, wow. Yeah, like just so much usage. It was great. It was very new for Adobe to, to think that way. Uh, but then, so a few months ago now, I had Matthew Rex, who ran Typekit after I uh, left on the show. He has now left Adobe as well. Uh, and he and I were Ooh. speculating about what was Adobe going to be doing uh, now that the iPad was supporting third-party font vendors in their ability to put fonts on the device. And, uh, and Adobe at Max just a week ago or two announced that all 17,000 fonts are going to be on the iPad now, which is just amazing. I, I saw that. My mind was blown. Yeah. It is not quite the dream uh you still have it, uh for applications to use the font so if you wanted to use them in like procreate or something like that the developers have to uh use the adobe font api to do that because it is still like like i talked about with matthew uh it is still you go through the app store to do that right to install a font you need to go and install an app to get the font so font developers right. foundries and and whatnot have to produce an app that that essentially distributes their fonts and installs them so you have to do that with an adobe app and then the font the other application has to be able to read that font and it's not as seamless as i had uh, hoped and imagined or probably will be someday but still like the idea that you can actually do this i think that really opens up a lot of this design workflow we've been talking about doesn't it yeah i mean i think this is one of those features of ios 13 it feels like a sleeper feature to me where um you know, I can't tell you how many times um, I, myself or one of my kids have come up to me and said, hey, um, I want to do this keynote file and use one of those, you know, fancy fonts or handwritten font or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, why don't I have all the fonts that you have on your laptop? And uh, the fact that these are available now, um, I just installed the Creative Cloud app the other day yeah. um, and, you know, installed a number of fonts and, uh, you know, pulled up Trajan and, you know, open up uh, the pages app and there it was. And I, it was fully selectable. And, and uh, I found that to be amazing that now, you know, we're not going to run into that situation, the classic situation I would always run into with trying to put a keynote deck together oh. would be, you know, hey, uh, you don't have this font that so-and-so is using or, you know, your favorite typeface that you want to you wanna use is is no longer you know, available for your presentation. And I think those things going away um, is going to be a huge, uh, huge boon for uh, designers. And I think, um, like I said, I think it's one of those sleeper things where it has to, this is this sort of great typography has to be there 
and available to you before you can have design tools that can be super effective. And so the fact that Apple is now adopting this uh, natively, I think, is massive. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm curious how how we're going to see all these uh, type foundries and and things like that uh, integrate with them because you know first thing my head went to when Apple announced that was okay. How does licensing work for this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if the, if the expectation there is there's really only two ways, right? Still, you could still go to the Foundry website, buy the license, and then essentially prove that you have it in an app that they need to develop, right? Which is right. a little bit, if you, if you kind of squint at it, kind of how the Kindle works, right? You can't actually buy fonts in the Kindle because Adobe doesn't want to, or rather, Amazon doesn't want to give up the 30% for, you know, off the top of that. Right. So you have to right. go to a website, you buy the book, and then it shows up because you log into the app, right? So they can they do all that. So that's probably, I think, how most of the, the foundries will do it, uh, unless there is somebody, you know, there's an opportunity there for aggregation, but or just selling them via the app store, you know, if they're willing to take the 30% right. Or, right. or whatever it happens to be. It should be relatively straightforward. I th- a little bit weird to have a, a different app on your phone for every possible foundry that's out there. But, yep. you know, we're starting to see that with <laughs> with video as well. Different app for every show I want to watch. So maybe. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's that constant expanding and contracting of like aggregating and disaggregating that kind of goes on in our industry and all sorts of all media and, and everything. But Probably something like that. That's what, that's what I think. I don't know. I haven't actually yeah. been paying too much attention to our other. Have you seen other collections of fonts showing up on the iPad? You know, I I uh, I got a. I checked them out. Uh, I think two weeks ago, I downloaded a number of apps, and I found most of them to be, you know, not fantastic. I mean, a lot of a lot of them are doing the same thing. They're recycling. Some of the free fonts have been out there for years and years and years. So you have 10,000 fonts that you don't really care that much about. Uh, But I think that, you know, um, having the typekit library was was massive. You know, I was I was uh, shocked to see like, okay, great. This just another uh, another benefit of this uh, subscription service I have with Creative Cloud is I have all these, uh, you know, all this type that I can now work with in these other applications. So I think it's, you know, I think that it'll be interesting to see how um, how other developers and we've had to deal with licensing. You know, we've had a few apps that um, that clients are like, no, we really want the, you know, rounded version of, you know, this particular app, uh, this particular font on on our our, our app. So we've done some yep. licensing before. Um, so it's it's great that it's now uh, there's there's the road is paved a little bit better. Yeah, the app licensing thing was was uh, was was an interesting one for the type industry, right? The idea of uh, licensing the font to the developer rather than an end user. Right, so that the developer yeah. can, and what you're talking about is like is crafting a UI or or having some kind of like content in the app be um, presented in a in a typeface that's actually bundled inside the app and shipped with it. Um, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because when we first started with with Typekit, that was on the table as well as a direction that we might start to handle some of the licensing licensing for. Uh, and most of the foundries, 
had extensive experience with that kind of licensing, but at a totally different scale. You know, like they would be, mm. they would license fonts for things like uh, the seatback entertainment system uh, on an airplane, right? Stuff like that. Oh yeah, uh, sure. And, and they and they or or who knows what like ATMs and things like that. Embedded font licensing was totally a thing, but they would like you know, talk to developers who are like, all right, I'm doing an iOS app and I want to put your font in there. They'd be like, great, that'll be, uh, we'll do our best deal for you and it's $3 per seat. You're like, exactly. Exactly. So if a million people download this app, like, and I'm not even charging for it, like, so, uh, right. there was a big learning curve to get there or not even a learning curve so much as a bunch of negotiation for it to figure out like yeah. different scale, different dynamics. Do you want to be in this game or not? That kind of stuff. So, but yeah, so it's good to see all of this. I mean, that really does open up uh, the design, the, the kind of design, but even knowledge work too, you know, now that we have fonts on the iPad. There was this like secret shame of every keynote presentation on an iPad is basically in Helvetica, right? Like, Yes, exactly. So a lot to figure out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, exciting times. Uh, we didn't even talk about the iPhone. I'm wondering how, uh, uh, if that if there's a way for that to integrate uh, in in doing design work. Uh, some of the ideas we had that we were exploring were like capturing color palettes uh, and and even capturing like what font is that that I see on the sign because you got your phone with the camera yep. with you all the time and be able, able to literally turn them into color palettes or typefaces that you can use on your desktop immediately. So that felt a little bit magic and a little bit cool, but I not seen a lot of creation happening on the phone itself uh at the professional level right yeah i think uh we haven't we haven't got there we are doing some of those same things you know jotting down a note or capturing something i mean how many times uh are you somewhere and you see something and you're you instantly take a photo of it right that's that's a form of knowledge capture as well so i think we're doing a lot of that but i think in terms of manipulating that well i have seen again going back to illustrators i've seen illustrators there how in the world are you doing this on the iphone um and they've done some tremendous work I, I don't see us doing a lot of uh ui uh layouts yet uh with the iphone but who knows Anything's possible. That's true. You know, that reminds me. I, I mentioned the New Yorker earlier, right? As a uh, as sort of an end state of could we could we be doing professional work on these devices? But there was a New Yorker cover that was illustrated on the iPhone years and years ago. I remember seeing a right. like a stop, not a stop motion, a type time lapse of the artist actually doing yeah. work on the phone, and then they used it for the cover. So yeah, from an illustration point of view, there is also, I should say, uh, and I am a little biased here, and I'll put that right on the table, because we have a company that's doing this in our in our True Ventures portfolio called Over, and they do uh, basically design composition templates, fonts, and things like that right on the phone with the intent of building those square advertisements uh, and promotions and things like that to show up in Instagram all the time. So if you imagine you're like a, you, you own a yoga studio and you want your classes are off, you know, 20% off for the holidays or whatever, who makes those little things that you see on Instagram all the time, those little squares, you know, that, uh, of advertisement, of composition, of design. Uh, and they've grown a huge business in people that would never come close to anything that looks like Photoshop or Sketch or Figma or anything uh, by offering like step-by-step, -step, here's like the tutorial of how you do it and the template and like, and it's all in-app subscriptions for new fonts and new images and stuff like that. And it's design. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that that's one of the, one of the areas in terms of, you know, design layout specifically is, uh, you know, go into the app store sometime and look for, 
you know, all the various Instagram story apps. I mean, there's there's about a bazillion of them out there. I mean, Adobe has Spark and there's Over, which is a, a fantastic app. And yeah, it's they have managed uh, to figure out how to, you know, lay out this little, um, this little, small little design. And um, I think it, it, they always look fantastic, right? I mean, how many times I, I'm scrolling through an Instagram feed and I run across an ad or, you know, some story and it's like, how in the world did they do this? Mm. They, you know, they open up Photoshop and did this or... But no, it's it's done with these little apps, and I think that that's that is true. It's it's uh, I think that's a, a good signal for um, some of these uh, native based layout tools. Right, right. I've seen you know I've seen this in video production as well. Right, the uh, uh, these little apps that do uh, pretty high end like transitions and and things like that, but it's all designed for your Instagram story. You know, so, yep. but it's, uh, and it doesn't have obviously re- remotely the level of control that something like After Effects would have, but like, who cares? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and exactly. It. it looks and great. It, and it looks cinematic, you know, to, to, I don't know, it's just fascinating to see all the work there. Um, at both ends of the spectrum, at the super high end and, and just the, the democratization of all of these incredible technology. Really, really cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so it's good. The future's bright, I think. Very excited for all of these kids. Absolutely. These kids to grow up using all of these tools and put all of us out of business. It can't happen soon enough. So <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Harold, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show. Uh, let's see. Where are my notes? Uh, you are at overcommitted.com. There's a bunch of uh, stuff you guys have written on Medium and things like that so people can check out your work and what you think about your work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Go for it. And then uh, PWS on Twitter, you are. How did you? You must have been on really early. Got a three-letter handle. Yeah, really early. And uh, yeah, I was, you know, um, playing with shapes as a handle playing that I sort of used for forever. And so, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I grabbed PWS early on and uh, still great. have it. So, get some strange replies sometimes, but it's all right. <laughs> that's cool uh great well people can check you out there learn more about what you're thinking and, and stuff thanks again for being on the show it's just absolutely great conversation hey thanks a lot jeff and that's another episode of presentable hey got any questions you can email us at hello at presentable.fm or get in touch via twitter by following presentable fm we hope you've really enjoyed the show and if you do could you take a moment and give us a rating on itunes it really helps and we'd really appreciate it Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Jeffrey Dean, and this was Presentable.